I was, many of the folks here, I was your pastor for a bunch of years. <laughs> I can't, I mean, di- different amounts of time, but um, it is so great to see how you're moving on and, you know, doing the work of the church. Oh, hey, it's going to help if I put this on. I'm a little <laughs> having a rough start here. Um, anyway, it's it's just great to see how you're moving on, carrying the load, moving the kingdom forward. We we in Ontario we can't meet. We were meet, meeting in a high school, uh, junior high, and it's shut down. There are no schools open, and they certainly don't want a church. You know sullying the uh, area <laughs> so we're we don't have an opportunity to meet we're meeting in watch parties and in groups and once a month worship nights so it is great to be with you all in person this is fun i haven't spoken on a sunday morning in like six or seven months i don't know how long it's been so i if i'm a little rusty you'll understand Okay, (laughs) But anyway, I want to talk about how important unity is for the church. Uh, Here's an interesting fact. Jesus spent more time preparing a community of disciples than proclaiming the gospel. Interesting to think about that, isn't it? He he spent... a bunch of time clarifying his message. It was clear and compelling the way he taught his message and what he said about his message, but he was patiently working a plan. His original disciples were an important part of that plan. They would become the apostles who would lay the foundation for the church and launch the Christian movement. So, very, very important. So, what Jesus did is, He took the time to build the community of disciples, and He made sure that they understood how important community itself is for uh, the, the church and for the movement of Christianity that would continue. He took the time to get to know each of his closest followers and let them get to know them because he knew that they themselves would be the foundation on which the movement was built. And this took time, but he was working a plan. Notice what Jesus called these first disciples to uh, when he invited them to follow him. Mark... uh, 3, 13 and 14. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called them to him, those he wanted. And they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him. If you're taking notes, or maybe in your mind, circle that phrase, be with him. Because it's really important. And then he 
that he might send them out to preach. That was another calling and have authority to drive out demons, uh, a final calling. It's interesting that Jesus called his first followers to be with him, isn't it? I mean, that's really, really interesting. Among the other callings, that was the first. He did enough preaching, Jesus did, to clarify his message for sure. It was clear. We understand it. But the apostles would be the ones launching the movement. And he wanted them to get familiar with the kind of community that he aimed to build through them. This was important to him. So he took the time to get to know them, let them get to know him. And then he showed them the purpose, the values, and the focus of this community that they would build. And that his intent would be for it to spread all across the entire world, which which it has. His his plan had cosmic proportions to it. <laughs> it was it was it was amazing. His master plan was to work through this small group of followers to form the church because it would be the agent for his plan of cosmic proportions. That's how important this church community is. We're a part of his plan. This is what he wants to do in the world. So since Jesus spent so much time preparing the community of disciples, we see the importance of community for spreading the gospel in the world. I I put the the, the dictionary definition of community in your notes. And... If you have them, you can follow along. The first nuance of meaning for the word community is a unified body of individuals. And there are different layers of meaning that that are there with common interests living in a particular area, people with common characteristic or interest in living together within a larger society, a body of persons of common and especially professional interests, a body of persons or nations having a common history or social group. I mean, you, you get the idea. It's a, it's a group of people, and it's, it's come together. This group is a group of people unified by something. It, it might be incidental, just, hey, we happen to live in the same area, we're in the same city, or it could be intentional. The church is intentionally gathered around following Jesus Christ. That's the intention of the church. It's unified around Jesus Christ and His work in the world. That's why we exist. That's why Church of the Valley Alhambra exists. That's why all churches who are Bible-believing exist. You'll notice that the word community has unity in it. I Call me Captain O, because I I state the obvious sometimes. (laughs) That happens. The church community is 
unified around following Jesus Christ and doing His work in the world. Jesus actually works through the church just like He worked through His physical body while He was here on earth. We're His hands and feet. I'd like to play for you a song uh, from an oldie, oldie Christian playlist of mine that uh, talks about this. Let's listen to it together. There it is. It, it, it makes a point. You know how awkward it is to, you know, like when you're in the car and you have a song that you really are pumped about and you really like it and you, in my day in high school, you'd pop a, a cassette tape in the car and then you'd listen to that song and you're, you're really hoping that your friend could be as pumped as you are and I, I, I don't gather that you were all that excited about that song, uh, but, but I'm using it to make a point. <laughs> we are, that's the redeeming thing about it. Um, this should be the aim of every church community that's following Jesus Christ and every Christ follower each day of their lives. To offer our hands and feet and our minds and our hearts to serve Him every day. We should go through the day looking for ways for Him to use us to serve and love those around us and to share the message that He gave us to share. We steward it. So as the apostles launched the first churches... You can see, community is a priority in spreading the gospel. This is by design, obviously. Jesus spent a lot of time preparing the disciples and letting them get a taste of the kind of community that he wanted to build through them. And so community is a major priority in spreading the gospel. All the time Jesus spent building community among the first followers wasn't wasted. It it shows up in the first church ever. Notice the obvious connection to the unity of the church community and the spread of the gospel. Acts 2, 46 and 47. And day by day, attending the temple together... And breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, this is a favorite passage of mine. It's, it's such a picture of how God wants our relationships in the church body, in the church community, to refresh one another. 
Cindy and I, my, my wife Cindy, it's a very meaningful passage to us because we've spent our lives building church communities. This is, this is what we're all about. In fact, we have a big sign over our uh, dining room table that has this verse on it. And sometimes our, our grandkids are living with us right now. Um, the Lord's provided... Well, actually, their parents are too. So both, both, both our, our parents, their parents and their grandkids. Our son and daughter-in-law are living with us and, um, dinner time is way more interesting now and more exciting than it was when it was just Cindy and I living there. Um, but anyway, she'll, she'll use that, that phrase, glad and sincere hearts. That's another translation, glad and generous hearts. She'll use it and she'll point to it sometimes. Hey, we're eating with glad hearts right now. (laughs) It's really helpful to have the visual. (laughs) But the guy who needs it the most can't read, so I'm not sure. Not sure that's all that effective. But anyway, this is this is what God wants. He he wants us to enjoy one another. And to refresh one another. His, his goal is for our community to be contagious. So that the people who come around us are drawn in and refreshed by our community. The church is much more than a collection of individual Christ followers. Sometimes you see that in churches. And um, there people are can be like silos. Um, I, I put a picture of a silo in the notes. I don't know if you can see it there. Um, I wasn't quite sure how this would work. But um, anyway, in the notes there's a group of silos together. You can see that they're right next to each other but they remain separate they're they're not getting they're not getting involved in what the others are doing <laughs> the church is designed to be a living thriving community to whom god gives a life of its own under his rule we're not to be silos we're to mix it up and to work together toward the cause that Jesus has given us. Like the first church, we connect and engage with one another. You can see that in that passage we're looking at. Uh, they went to the temple together, but they also broke bread together in their homes, enjoying each other's company. The passage says they received their food, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Underline glad and generous if you have the opportunity to do that, if you can. Maybe you could use that with your kids or grandkids. Glad and generous. Remember, kids, we're eating with glad and generous hearts. Um, the joy of the church community at least 
partially fueled the expansion of the church. And I think it was an important part of the expansion of the church. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This growth occurred because the first church devoted themselves to something, to some things. They devoted themselves, Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The word fellowship in this passage is the basis for church community. And the Greek that it was originally written in defines it in a specific way. The first church was devoted to the fellowship. Devotion to fellowship is needed because it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to get hurt and bothered as we relate and work toward our goal together that it's easy to pull back from it. But the word fellowship in the Greek is written in is best translated mutual reciprocity. Which this is what should happen in our church communities. It's what happens in churches like CIV, CIV Alhambra, CIV Ontario, our, our churches in our network. We get involved in each other's lives. We help each other out. We serve one another by helping with moves and in other ways, and we accept help from others. We take meals by the house when someone's ill or ill or grieving or something major is going on. We give and receive as needs emerge. We give and receive to and from one another financially. We, we get our wallets involved. We, we gather in homes for meals. When we get together, usually food's involved. Now, right now is a tough time to pull that off, but usually food's involved. We serve the mission of the church together. To enjoy the community of the church, you have to be immersed in it. You have to dive in. You have to mix it up. You have to open yourself up to the people around you. It's so much better when you have people to help you with a heavy load in life and give you a lift when you're down. I've been marked by the the kindness of the church community through the years. It's made a, a major impact on my own heart and life. So it's important to understand this, how important the church community is for the spread of the gospel to accomplish our mission that we're trying to accomplish as a church and for our own growth as well. This is important to understand. There are spiritual truths I will never grasp and there is growth I will not experience if I don't commit to a church community. The Holy Spirit ministers to us and through us in a significant way as we get involved in the church community. 
In our, our church community, we don't want to be a collection of individuals who are like silos. So we take the time to build relationships like Jesus did. As we relate to each other in community, there is much opportunity for friction and conflict. <clears throat> and as we deal with the friction of relating, we must do everything we can to protect the unity of the church. This is an important time to be thinking about this as what's going on in the world is so divisive. As we relate to each other in the community, we have to do everything to protect the unity because our unity demonstrates for the rest of the world the reality of the gospel. The unity of, of the church was on Jesus' heart as his earthly life came to a close. After a long teaching session uh, with his closest followers where he laid out the purpose and the plan for them, for the, the church and the community they would build, he prayed in their presence. It's an interesting prayer to dig into. You see how important unity is and what was on his heart. As he came, as his life came to a close. The whole prayer is found in John 17. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but here's a portion of it. John 17, 20 through 23. I, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So he's, he's, he's talking about the importance of unity. He's asking that God would make us one. And he's saying, not only for these guys right here, the people that are following me, my closest followers, the men and women who are here, but also for those who will believe through their word. That's us. <laughs> He's praying. He's praying for us here. And so it's, it's interesting. We're those who will believe in Jesus through the apostles word it's been written down it's been shared with us and this is what we believe and here's what he prays that they may all be one just as you father are in me and i in you that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me the glory that you have given me i have given to them that they may, may be one, even as we are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you have loved me. <clears throat> you see how important it is that we get along? That we are one, that we're united? Let's look more closely at the specifics of this prayer. He's praying to God the Father as God the Son. The model for the unity of the church is found in the Trinity itself. Jesus' prayer is that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. The God we serve is one being but three persons. Now, that's a mind-boggler. 
That's a little beyond my understanding. I don't know anyone like that, any being like that. <laughs> I can't, I can't totally grasp that. But who'd want to serve a God that they could completely understand? We can understand enough about Him to follow Him, but I, I personally, I want a God that's beyond me. And that is so much greater than me. Each person in the Trinity has a role to play. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Each of them has a role to play. And what you find in the Scriptures is that they play it perfectly. They cooperate with one another perfectly. They play their role perfectly. Jesus prays that we would be one like the Trinity is one, who work perfectly together to do their work in the world. The unity of the church has a powerful impact on the people around us. Jesus prays that we may be one so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The unity of the church is a crucial part of helping our family, friends, and neighbors who don't yet follow Christ believe that Jesus is God. This means it's an incredibly high priority for us to resolve our conflicts, the friction that stirs up around us. This is why we make a commitment at CIV to clear up relationships with one another, to look to the other's interests, and and to humble ourselves. It's why working through friction and conflict are so much more important than my pride and your pride. We humble ourselves for the sake of Jesus' mission. This is why we humble ourselves. Every time I know that I've wronged someone and the Lord convicts me, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit convicts me of that, I I have a resistance to clearing things up because pride is there. Arrogance. And I I just don't want to admit that I'm wrong. Every time... I have a knot in my stomach and a lump in my throat as I try to get the words out. I w- I w- <laughs> I was wrong. The Lord convicted me. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? That is incredibly humbling to admit. That is difficult. But if I don't swallow my pride, Jesus' mission is damaged. And so I humble myself. Sometimes it's fight, but I end up humbling myself. I'm not perfect, but I do. Because unity is so important for the mission that God has put us on. Basically, Jesus is asking God for the very thing we need in the church to accomplish His cosmic purpose, which is to unite all things in Him under His rule. Ephesians 1.10 talks about this. This is where he starts talking about God's cosmic plan. 
to reconcile people in the world through the church. Ephesians 1.10 says, As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven, and things on earth. In the middle of the chaos in our world today, God is at work. He, he, he wants to work through each of us, through the church community here, to, uh, unite, to bring people together with Him, to reconcile us with people with Him and with other people as well. His plan is to unite all things under His rule. Jesus is praying that we would be united as a testimony of the reality of His work in and through us. Can you imagine trying to reconcile people to God and there's a bunch of division in the church community? How how effective is that? That's what Jesus is praying about. He's praying because... We need to be unified. Unity is crucial for our mission. So he's praying that Jesus would be unified so the world around us would be more inclined to trust him. Jesus prays that we would be perfectly one because it's so crucial to our mission. Now we aren't perfectly one, are we? We're not. But this is the goal. So we need to work through friction and conflict, disagreement, because unity demonstrates the power and the reality of the gospel. Jesus repeats this. God, make them one with us so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Our love and unity are the very things that affirm the message of reconciliation that we steward in the church. The mission of our church demands that we are unified because our oneness strengthens our witness. Just as disunity negates the power, undermines, we'll say, the power of our gospel of reconciliation. Our mission as a church is to invite people into our community so that they can get to know Jesus Christ. And if if it's a divided community, that that's really that's really a problem. Who wants to be a part of a community with all kinds of friction and conflict? I don't. I don't, I mean, I nobody wants to be a part of a wacky dysfun- dysfunctional family. We might be, but, <laughs> but you know, we didn't get to choose that one. Uh, it's interesting how things have transitioned on TV sitcoms. Uh, they've gone from the all-American perfect family like the Andersons. There's some pictures on your notes there if you want to see the Andersons in the 50s. Um, they're so perfect you can't identify with them. But... Real became more important, and so you have families like the Bunkers from All in the Family who are very raw and real by the standards of their day. Uh, 
the show was often cringeworthy. And then a little more recently, you have the Barones from Everybody Loves Raymond. Um, they were lovable, but would you really want to be a part of that family? I mean, in reality, you wouldn't want to be in that family because of all the bickering and dysfunction and things that were going on. Real life, that's not pleasant. In the same way, a church full of bickering and dysfunction repels people who come around it, and that's not very inviting. God's plan is to reconcile the world to Himself through the church community. He wants us to carry the message of reconciliation, as it's called by Paul, and to model what it looks like to the world around us. Unity in the church is a clear demonstration that God's solution to the problems of the world are effective. It's, it's effective. There's, so there's nothing more significant than contributing to the ministry of the church through our participation, service, and giving. If, if we work together to accomplish God's purposes in unity, that has cosmic proportions to it. <laughs> and God is glorified, and we demonstrate the power, the very power of the gospel to the world around us. This is important what we're doing here. And making sure we're unified is crucial. So I want to ask you, how has God, has God, maybe has God spoken to you through this message? If He has, what has He said? What can you do to model the message of reconciliation to those around you? I want to encourage you to take some next steps. Here are a couple suggestions. First, work through a conflict with family or at work or at church so that God is glorified and you demonstrate the power of the gospel. And then take your next step to become a part of the church community here at CIV. This is the most important thing that's going on in the world today. What God's doing through the church. It doesn't get the attention in the media, for sure. And that's anticipated in the New Testament. But it is the most significant thing that is going on in the world today. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness, your kindness to us, and for the privilege we have of relating to one another in the church body. Help us, God, more and more to resolve our differences, our conflicts, so that you are honored and glorified, so that we can enjoy one another, and so that those who come around us will be honored by you, or be drawn to you, and so that you'd be honored. Let me say that. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your love. And I pray that you'd help us to have the strength to take the steps you've laid on our hearts to take today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.